You know, as you open the, the pages of Scripture, it is crystal clear to me uh, that God desires to bless His children in every area of life, including the realm of their finances. The issue is not whether God wants to bless us. The issue is, are we positioned to receive His blessing? You know, every year, uh, the same time of the year, this time of the year, last couple weeks of October, first week of November or so, I'll do a series, and I do a stewardship series teaching you what God's uh, perspective on finances is. And, 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 and it's amazing, particularly people that are new believers are like, man, I didn't know the Bible had so much to say about that. I mean, I thought, Pastor, here it is. Pastor, I thought that the Bible, I mean, I, I thought the Bible would tell you who Jesus is. It does. I thought the Bible told you how to get your sins forgiven. It does. I know the Bible taught you about how to make sure that you're eternally secure in heaven, that when you die, you go to heaven for eternity with Jesus. It does. But I mean, oh, God doesn't only want to get you to heaven. That's the ultimate. But he doesn't want you living in hell on earth. A lot of people don't understand that, 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 that God has a lot to say about this critical part of our lives. The truth is, all of us at some point experience financial pain because we've allowed advertising, we've allowed culture, we've allowed social media. Again, great blessing with social media devices, but how you know, great challenges, and I would say even potential curses with it. Because now we can see instantly what others have and we don't. We can see what trip they went on, and man, it's amazing. Well, I'll tell you what, do we have the money for it? No, we don't have the money for it. Doesn't matter, let's charge it. Who cares? So we compare ourselves. I deserve this. I need that. I, and listen, again, I'm not against. I know we have a lot of advertising people in church do a great job marketing all that. But, but, but we also have to be aware that we don't allow our emotions to move us out of walking in the principles of God. We have to be very careful that we do things God's way. Everybody say God's way. See, here's what I found. If we do things God's way, we get good results. If we do things our own way, we end up with bad results. And by the way, God has opinions about a lot of things. God has opinions about how marriage should work, how relationships work, how conflict resolution and relationships should work. God has, God has a lot of opinions in his word, divinely inspired, about how our eternities should work and how our finances should work. God has a lot to say about that. My journey in this has been nearly 30 years. And uh, it's been a journey walking with God, learning. By the way, nothing's quick. I don't care who you are. I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't care if a pastor tells you. I say this respectfully. Nothing in life that's good is learned quickly. It takes time. Matter, matter of fact, you guys know those things where it talks about get rich quick scheme. I want to put the emphasis on scheme. It's a scheme. The Bible says an inheritance gained speedily will not be blessed in the end. In other words, anything that gets quick and you don't understand the value of it, you don't understand what it takes. And here's what I found, and I want to say this because I know there's a lot of pain in this area of people's lives financially. I want to say this as a pastor. I want to say this compassionately. God wants to do something in your life. If you do your part, God will do his part. And if you'll obey God's word and you'll just work at it and listen to what God says and, and little bit by little bit and day after day and month after month, you'll see, listen, you'll see the blessing. You'll see, listen, God will show you in his word and he'll walk you holding your hand and he'll walk you out of where you are into where he intends you to be. That's why I do this series every year. 
Different topics, different things. This is a message I've never spoken before. And yet it's about something that's so critical and germane to all of our lives. It's something that, that, that we rejoice over, and it's something that we agonize over. It's related to the realm of our finance. Pastor, where's this whole worth it concept from? I mean, what is the word worth it? I mean, why, why did y'all call it that? So I asked somebody, I said, what's this next series about? I said, well, it's about stewardship and worth it. Well, here's my point. God's worth it. Everybody say God's worth it. Look, God created us with his gifts. God created us and put in us gifts, talents, and abilities. And what we do with our time, what we do with our treasure, what we do with our talents. Listen, I mean, you know, God is worth our best. God is worth it. I mean, he's created us. He's given us life and ingenuity and energy. God is worth us giving him our best. Now, let me say this. Listen to me closely. Guess what? You're worth it. I'm going to say a statement. I want you to hear me. You are worth more than living just paycheck to paycheck. I believe that with all of my heart. And that's where, listen, 76, 76% of the people in the United States live paycheck to paycheck. You're worth it. Meaning that you can do this God's way and work your, listen, with God's help and God's principles, we can get ourselves out of just living. Do you know the average American family, I mean, over that, 76% that if a crisis of more than $1,000 happened, there would be devastation. We've got to get to, listen, I love this statement. I've said it for years. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. We've got to move forward. We've got to learn how to do this God's way. By the way, it's not about your income. A lot of people think, well, yeah, I make a lot of money. I don't need to hear this stuff. Time out. Yeah, but you spend more than you make. <laughs> it's not how much you make. It's how much you save, how well of a steward you are. You're worth it. You're worth it to manage finances God's way and to live in the blessing of God, which positioned us for number three, people are worth it. How, do you, how, how can I help people, Pastor? How, well, first of all, you can't set somebody free unless you're free yourself. You can't help somebody. Everybody say, we are blessed to be a blessing. God wants to bless you, not just for you. God wants to bless you to position you so that you can be a blessing to others. Our theme, our scripture for this, for this talk, and really I'm going to set it up for our series, a short series, then we're going to get into Thanksgiving. It's already here. I got a series I'm going to do around that, but I want to show you this scripture because it's so powerful. It compares and contrasts in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, here's what it says. It's talking about two, listen, watch this. Don't miss this. Two different people, two different families, two different perspectives. Watch this. There's one part that's similar, and there's another part that is vastly different. Here's what my thesis is for this message. If we'll do what God tells us to do, we'll see what God wants us to experience. If we'll do what God tells us to do, we'll see what we believe, what I believe Scripture promises that God wants us to experience. Watch this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. This is Jesus, the words of Christ. Here's what he said. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. These are church-going people. Watch this. I mean, they're in the Word. They're hearing the Bible, right? Whoever hears and what? Say it. Does them. I will liken him to a wise person who builds their house upon the rock. So this person hears the word, but they don't stop there. They do the word. By the way, every time I teach on the weekend, there's always two goals that I have. Number one, what I want you to know. And number two, what I want you to what? Do. It's not just knowing, but it's doing. A lot of people have knowledge, 
knowledge, but they're, they're big on, they're, they're, they're heavy on knowledge, but low on obedience. See, see, this, this person, that, that, that whoever, they're going to build their house upon the rock. Now watch this next verse. Verse 25, and the rain descended. The Bible says the rain, the circumstances, the trials of life, that falls on the just and the unjust. Don't let any preacher or anybody tell you that if you serve God, you'll never walk through trials. Not according to the Bible. The difference is the result. The difference is what happens to your life when you go through that. What happens? The rain descended. Floods came. Winds blow. Things happen. There's relational challenges, financial challenges. There's health challenges. There's kid challenges. There's in-law challenges. There's all these different things. There's economic challenges. But, 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 and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. For it was founded on the water. Say it. Rock. That, that person built their financial house on the rock. But there's a contrast in the English language. Comparison and contrast, two very powerful concepts. Watch the contrast here. But everyone who hears these saying, they're in church. I mean, they're showing up. They're coming every week for an hour and 12 minutes. They're there, man. But they do not obey the scripture. So they hear it. But they don't know, there's no corresponding action attached to it. That person, that's what the Bible says. That's a foolish person who builds their house not on the rock, but on the what? Sand. Now watch, here they come. And the rain descends. The floods came. Same circumstances, right? In a neighborhood. It always freaks me out, like, when, 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 when rain is, when you can see rain, like, you know, maybe 50 yards away, and it's not raining here, but it's, that's like the, that's the exception. You know what I'm talking about? It's the exception. Every now and then, particularly in the summertime, rain can be like 50 or 100 yards away, but it's, you're dry, but, but usually it's a deluge. The fact of the matter is, is that things happen to everybody. Like it's very, I mean, just, just everybody experiences something. The rains come, the floods come, the winds blow, and beat on that house, and it what? Everybody say it? Fell. And great was its fall. The difference is right here. Is the person that hears the word, don't miss this, the person that hears the word and the person that does the word. It's solid. Their life's solid. Yeah, they go through stuff. They go through financial stuff. They live in the same economy. I mean, they stay in the same, but, 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 but their life is built upon a rock. And what is that rock? It's upon the obedience to Scripture. I want to talk to you today about seven financial principles that are from this book. Not my opinion, not my philosophy, but something from the Bible that I believe if we will base our life upon biblical principles, we will see the results that we really desire to see, that we really desire to see. If you have your notes, I'm going to ask you to take them out. I'm going to talk to you about seven timeless financial principles from the Bible. From the Bible. Number one, first principle. This is all from the Bible. This is how you, you hear the word and then we do the word. This is how we build our house upon the rock. Number one, seek biblical wisdom from the Bible and wise counsel from others. So I'm seeking biblical wisdom from Scripture financially and wise counsel. Proverbs 15, 22. Look what it says right here. Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they're established. How often do we try to figure out things on our own? How often have I talked to people that, Pastor, you know what? I went through this situation, but I'll just be honest, Pastor, I was just embarrassed. 
And I didn't want to tell anybody what was going on. I didn't want to explain to them. And whether it's in your marriage, whether it's dealing with something in your life personally, struggling with depression, man, I've just been struggling with this, but I don't want to tell anybody because I'm supposed to be the up person. And after all, if they find out, well, it's the same way in our finances. We feel ashamed sometimes, man, we should be better, and I don't know what happened. And, 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 and yet, and yet, the Bible says, the, the Scripture says it's without counsel. So we need counsel. We need, we need godly counsel from godly men that have some insight to help us. But also from Scripture, Proverbs 4, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forsake her. She will preserve you, love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, the very first thing. It's the, above all, the preeminent thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. So we need godly counsel from people that have God's perspective. But we also need wisdom from above that's revealed in God's word. I'm going to read a scripture, you guys. This scripture is heavy. So I want everybody to just buckle up for a moment. This is a, this is a, this is a very important scripture. In the book of Hosea, watch this. Talking about getting counsel. Wisdom from God and God's word and godly people. My people... Not those people that are out there, they don't serve God, man. They're just heathen people. Wait, wait, time out? The prophet Hosea said, no, no, time out. Let's get it real close to home. And coming to a theater near you, real close to home. Real close to, real close. God says, my people. Everybody say, my people. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Wow. Pastor, that's, and let me tell you Why? particularly in this area, because people think that God's not that relevant. I mean, he's after all. I mean, he's been doing this a long time. I mean, he wants to get us to heaven, but no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, yes, 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 yes. But no, 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 that's not all. He's also got biblical principles to teach you. By the way, if you think, well, you know, I, you know, it seems like there's good secular wisdom about finances, but I never thought about God's word giving us wisdom. Let me say this respectfully. Any wisdom that helps you outside, listen, any wisdom that's good, any advice that's good, whether that person is giving credit or not, they may not even know it. I bet you it goes all the way back and you can trace it to some scripture. That's true. The principle of sowing and reaping. The principle of how to develop friends. The book of Proverbs says that show yourself friendly if you want friends. So you can have a motivational speaker get up and talk about you know, relationships and the power of sowing good things in people, and that person may not even be a Christian, may never even read the Bible, and yet that's a scripture in the Bible. It's a timeless principle, and there's a timeless principle that we need wisdom from God, and we need wisdom from other people. Listen to me. This is very, very important. Some of you that are new Christians, you may not know this. You know the little stories, you know, that are all inspired by God, by the way, but the, 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 that are in red in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're called parables. Jesus taught parables. 38 parables Jesus taught. Do you know how many are about finances, stewardship, and possessions? 16. That's about 40%, maybe 42, 45%. So if almost half of what Jesus taught us is about finances, how many you know he wants to make sure that we get it. It's a big deal. Why is that? Because he knows that, that, that if you want to experience pain, do things your way. But if you want to experience the blessing, if you want to do it God's way, oh, man, it's so different. So, so let me give you another thing. You guys may not know this, particularly new, new believers. You've not been in church a long time or around Church of the King. How, how many verses in the Bible? I'll just let you all think. How many verses in the Bible do you think are about prayer? 500. About faith, another 500. Watch this. Do you know how many verses in the Bible are related to finances, stewardship, and money? 
2,350 verses. That's a lot. God's screaming from heaven. I got a lot to say. I really want to help you out. I don't want you living in hell. Hell, hell, hell. I put a lot in my book. Book, 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 book. Listen to that preacher, preacher, preacher. Even if he spits on the first three rows, rows, rows. Sometimes I just start spitting. I don't realize. I'm like, well, they needed to get rebaptized anyway. God showed me. By the way, I used to do youth crusades. <laughs> this is so funny. I used to do youth crusades in my 20s, and I preached to teenagers. I, I was preaching this little Cajun town one time, and this, this lady came up to me. We were going to have baptisms after the youth camp. I'd preach five, five days. We'd have these big youth camps, and, and at the end, we'd have baptisms. People get baptized. And this lady came up. She goes, she goes I, I wasn't a pastor, but she called me. She goes, Pastor, can I talk to you? And, she, and I said, yeah. She goes, listen, little Timmy, you're going to baptize? He's been real bad. Keep him under a long time. She like, it just drown out the sin. Drown it out, man. <laughs> just drown out all the sin. Oh, gosh, got to get back to my notes. All right, here we go. All right, so number one, here we go. Seek biblical wisdom and wise counsel. I have men in my life. I have people in my life that, that are bored, different people that, I, that, I, that speak to me and give me godly counsel. I read the scripture. I want to expose my mind and my heart to good counsel. All right, number two. This is biblical principle now. This is not just my thoughts. This is a principle in the Bible. We're talking about seven biblical principles. Watch this, that we can build our lives upon. It's founded upon the rock. Second one, know the condition of your finances. Let me give you the biblical scripture for this, all right? Here, the biblical principle here. Proverbs chapter 22, here's what it says. Be diligent. That's not a casual inquiry. Be diligent to what? To know the state of your, what's it say? Now, I know what some of you think of pastor. I don't have any sheep in my backyard. Or, you know, I mean, I put a boat one time in front, and I got three letters from the association. Trust me, I ain't got no sheep. Y'all laughing because some of y'all did that. But what is it talking about? Remember the Bible was written in an agrarian society, Right? So it's agriculture, livestock, farming. So, so what would a correlation, 21st century correlation be? Be diligent to know the state of your finances and attend to your finances. So it's important for us, and it's painful, guys. It's so painful sometimes. Freaks people out. They feel like if they can just push it away, it's going to get better. It's going to somehow just work out one day. No, it won't. Nobody just drifts into wise stewardship. It doesn't happen. You know, I have this little device in my bathroom. Sometimes it's my best friend. Sometimes it's from hell. It's called a scale. Sometimes I'm bold when I walk towards it. I'm like, I got you this time. Sometimes it looks at me and says, go ahead, chubby, step on me. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. So, so I, I have an ideal weight. I'm, I'm supposed to stay at 180 pounds, all right? And, and, and when, I'm, when I know that I'm just, just kind of just doing whatever I want to do, I kind of walk up sheepishly. But it's important because I get on that scale. Boom, 185, time out. When I know I'm there, I'm going to make different decisions throughout the day, all right? to try to get back to that point. 
Does that make sense? Now, I love fasting around here, Church King, in January. You know, we, we don't, we just drink juice, you know, for a while and vegetables and all that's just awesome. The reason why we do that is because we've been eating a lot during Christmas. And you know what you do when you eat a lot? You don't want to get on the scale, just wear big sweaters. Come on. But when I get on that scale, it brings an accountability to my life, and it gives, and it knows, uh, it, it lets me know where the condition of, not my flock, but, but the condition of where my body is. Let me say this respectfully. Some of you, and I say this as a pastor in love, sometimes it's scary to get on the financial scale, to know where you are. But you got to know. You can't just keep pushing it aside and push it aside. And some of you are like, I don't recognize that number. I know where that is. I'm not, I'm not answering that. I'm not answering that. I'm not, I'm not answering that. No, 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 voicemail, voicemail, voicemail. Then you get letters. I'm not, no, not opening that. Not open that. Not opening that. No, that. And what that is is there's a fear attached because you got to get on the, you got to know, you got to know where you are. Let me give you two basic tools that are so simple. And, and, and by the way, we have around here what's called Crown Financial. We've had over 6,500 people go through Crown in our church, and we have 500 right now. We're also started, which we're really excited about. We get a lot of good feedback from you guys, many of you that are in that. We are doing Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and that's probably, we're going to really start emphasizing, because I think we have 500 people in that right now, 30 or 40 groups. We have one group, like 29 people. And good stuff. And in those groups, they'll teach you two tools that are really important. That I think just these are two scale tools, just real simple. Your balance sheet. Here it is. It's what you owe and what you own. Your liabilities and your assets. You got to know where you are. What is your net worth? And I know it's scary because sometimes we're upside down, right? In other words, we owe we, we we owe more than we own. So that that allows you to know what your net worth is. All right, am I under it? Am I over it? Hopefully I'm increasing that. So the second one is an income statement. What's an income statement? It's what your revenue is, what you're making, and your expenses. Without this thing right here, this, this income statement, you really can't even develop a budget. So we've got to know where we are, what we owe, and what we own. We've got to know our assets and liabilities. We've got to know where we are. I'm 180. I've got to know where I am. And i also got to know where the money flow is going in my life, Right? What am I spending and what am I making? I got to know where that, because the margin in there, if, I, if, I, if I'm spending more than I make, guess what? I'm owing more than I own and my net worth's going down. So I got to know. And now, I'm going to tell you, as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a believer, as a human being, as a pastor, I, all the other titles, I, I know it's scary for some people, but we got to get on the scale. Let me give you a couple. Uh, uh, okay. Let me go to the third point, because with that information, with that information, let me tell you what you can begin to do. This is biblical. This is biblical. All right? Here it is. Make a plan and write down your financial goals. That's biblical. I'm going to say this again. Some of you that are in sales or different professional backgrounds where you've listened to Brian Tracy or Zig Ziglar, all that stuff, I, I, I really do love all of it. Now, Zig's a Christian. He taught Sunday school at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas for 30 or 40 years. I don't know where Brian Chase, I don't know where Tony, I don't know where somebody, but I'm going to tell you this. Writing down goals is a biblical principle. It's a biblical principle. Why? Something happens when you interface neurologically with pen and paper, and you write it down or you type it, and it, there's an accountability psychologically and emotionally that it helps move you towards the fulfillment of that. 
Let me give you an example. If you have it in your mind that you're going to buy a certain car and you go towards that car, to the dealership to buy it, you see it everywhere. Why? Because of that auto-focusing in your mind. Something happens. You guys have heard the statistics, and it's true. 90% of the people that write down goals achieve them versus those that say they had goals but didn't write them down. Watch this. It's biblical. This is a biblical principle. That's why at the beginning of the year, I teach people to write down financial goals, Physical goals, spiritual goals, right? Relational goals with your family. What are you going to do with this? And, and this is important. But you got to write it down. It's in the Bible. Here it is. Habakkuk 2. These are biblical principles. Seven of them. This is the third. Then the Lord answered and said, everybody say this. What does it say? Write the vision. Make it plain on the spreadsheet that he may run who reads it. It's biblical. A big part of your plan is what's called a budget. By the way, Dave Ramsey recently came out with the Every Dollar app. It's free to get started. It's free. You can download that. Let me give you a simple little thing that I do uh, when I'm talking about budgeting. These numbers have adjusted some. Uh, everybody say 10. Say 10 and 80. Y'all are not participating. Come on now. Y'all work with me. I'm the only one working. You just sit there going. Come on. Here we go. Everybody say 10. 10. 10. 80. Okay, that's a simple principle that I've taught for years. Lots of people teach. It's not new with me, all right? So, and, and basically, what does it mean? When I'm budgeting, first 10% belongs to God. Boom, I pay God. Second 10% is I pay myself by way of investments. The rest of the 80% I live on, actually, it's changed with me. It's, it's more 15, 15, 70. And that's because of where I am on this. I'm, I'm trying to save more. I'm getting close to 50. And I'm trying to save. And I'm also giving more than just my time, giving tithes and offerings over and above, right? Not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a Christian and it's biblical. And it does something in my heart. So 10, 10, and 80 is good, but really we should move towards 15, 15, and 70. By the way, lots of people that teach this principle. Very, let me give you a couple things that I would recommend. I'd recommend emergency fund. This is Dave Ramsey 101. Investing wisely, increasing your revenue, decreasing expenses. What is all this stuff? What are we, what are we trying to do? We're trying. By the way, there's a difference between my scale and a balance sheet. On my balance sheet, I want the net worth to go up. On the scale, I want the weight to go down. Isn't that right? So what is our goal here? Our goal is there's some financial principles. We never realize they're in the Bible. They're in the Bible. Let me give you the fourth one. i got a couple more minutes. Stay with me, all right? This is to help you guys. Here we go. I want to qualify some things on this point. I say this as a pastor. Sometimes pastors say things, and they're blanket statements, and people go, and, they, and people can walk out and feel condemned because they need to qualify things. I can say that. I say that respectfully towards other people in my profession. Get out and stay out of debt. Let me explain what I mean. Let me explain what I don't mean. All right? Let's read some scriptures about debt. Here we go. Proverbs 22.7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant, subjugated to the lender. Slave. Some of your translations say slave. That's a heavy one. You know, God doesn't want you a slave to anybody. The, the borrower's slave, Nehemiah, listen to this in the book of Nehemiah, in the Old Testament, chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. Watch what happens when we live enslaved to debt. It affects so many things. It affects our family. There, there were also those who said we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren and our children as our children. And indeed, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves 
That's what it does. It enslaves families. And some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have, have our lands and our vineyards. Let me say this. Debt lures, debt tempts, debt consumes. Well, we need to see debt as an enemy. Now, let me qualify. Here we go. There is a difference. Dave Ramsey teaches this. Crown Financial teaches this. Ron Blue, who I had the privilege of having dinner with last uh, sp uh, two springs ago, actually, and his son as well. Major Christian financial teachers on financial stewardship. All the great men out there and women out there that teach this stuff, I'm telling you, that are brilliant people would all agree upon the point that I'm going to tell you. There is a difference between debt attached to an appreciating asset and debt attached to consumer debt. What's the difference? Debt on a house, for instance. Again, they would all teach 15-year, uh, uh, 15 not 30-year interest. But, but you have debt attached to an appreciating asset. They would say that's permissible, but let's be aggressive and let's pay that off. Because you could sell it if you have to. Some of you have business debt, all right? They would say, as long as you can sell it and get out of that, fine. Here's the real debt that really messes you up. You're on Facebook. Your friend goes to Disney World with their family, has some beautiful pictures. You look at your resources. You don't have the money, but you charge it on a credit card, $5,000. You come back, put the pictures of your family on Facebook. So everybody see that you went to Disney World. You pay it off three years later, $8,200. Does that make sense? That's called consumer debt. See, there's no asset attached to it. You can't sell the experience. It's over. That debt is what is strangling. That is strangling America. 26%, you can check this out. It's actually in the curriculum of Dave Ramsey. 26% of America is enslaved in dangerous levels of consumer debt. A quarter, that's you walk in a room, there's four people, one person is over the head. They're suffocating in consumer debt. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want to say a couple things about debt. We need to see debt as our enemy. Matter of fact, in any level of debt, we need to see it. And we need to attack it because God has not designed you. God has not designed his children to live enslaved to anything at all. We need to see it that way. The enemy wants to enslave and tempt us and lure us into that thing. Here's what I'll say. I'll say one more thing about debt. And I've got a couple more points. Listen to me closely. I've seen God supernaturally get behind and help people cancel debts. Listen, we've got to do our part, and then God shows up and does his part. We can't pray for a miracle unless we're willing to do our part, which is some of you, I want to say this respectfully as your pastor, all right? Remember this. My name is Steve, and I love you. Okay, I love everybody. I'm not trying to be harsh, all right? Some of you, you need plastic surgery. Is that all right? Can I say that? What I mean is you need to cut up some of those credit cards. If you can't handle I get anxious. you got to cut up that credit. No, no, no. You know, I'm, you're beautiful people. But I'm talking about facial. I'm talking about credit cards. If you can't handle a Visa, can't handle a MasterCard, can't handle I had one guy tell me, so, or, uh, this person said, you know, I just kept getting credit cards in the mail. And people decided, that's the point. They want to keep sending you stuff. You don't just open it up. I got this count of this. That's not, that's not like you're significant. It's like you're foolish. If you need an American, some, and I, I tell people this, I, I did, maybe you need an American Express, you have to pay off every month. There's one, it's, just like, it's like a charge card, not a credit card. I pay my credit cards off when I was 20, my whole entire life. I got a credit card I got at, at Tulane University. I was a freshman. I got an American Express charge card, all right? 
when I have any carryover month, which is very rare on a MasterCard, I get nervous. I get anxiety. You better feel, let me tell you something, you need to feel that. Why? Because you need to see it. That's my enemy. That's my enemy. You need to look at it that way, all right? I know this is heavy. I love you. But if you were me and you've sit in the office talking to not 10 or 20, but I can't tell you how many people over the last 20 years, actually 25 years being in ministry, how many problems in life and in marriages are related to consumer uncontrolled debt. How many of y'all want to declare war on debt? Come on, how many of y'all want to declare war on debt? We want, we, want, we want to be free of that stuff. Let me give you a couple more points and then we'll close. I'll be finishing in five minutes. Here it is. Number five, be accountable to someone. Uh-oh. Pastor, I don't want anybody in my stuff. If you're married, first person that you need to be accountable to is your spouse. Look what it says here, Proverbs 13, 30. It says, he who walks, or 20, he who walks with wise people will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Number one, every, I'm not talking about with your spouse, you know, honey, I'm going through McDonald's. I need a Coke. Is that all right? You feel good about that? You got a witness in your spirit? You want to pray about a couple of minutes? Let me know. I'll circle three times. Okay, that's bondage. That's, that, that's another small group. But I tell you this, anytime I've gotten in conflict with my wife, I've purchased something that I shouldn't have purchased. It was, we weren't in agreement or she didn't know about it. That's why some of y'all have to park some things across town and not at your house. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Hold on, Pastor, you get real close to home. Just, just be careful, Pastor. So number one, we need to be accountable to our spouse. You'd be surprised how few financial mistakes we make if we just run them by our spouse. Well, they don't know anything about finances. Well, guess what? They can pray and hear from God and walk in unity with you. Number two, I think financial planners are amazing. All the financial planners of the church said, yes, pastor. <laughs> and there's some good ones, and there's some godly ones. I really believe that. Number three, listen to me closely. Number three, I'm going to say this. I'm going to push you just a little bit. You need some godly person that doesn't work for you, is not married to you, whatever, also is a friend that you just run some big purchases by. What do you think about this? I was on the plane with a businessman in our church. who went. I was speaking out of town last spring, and I was thinking about doing something, and uh, I was talking to him. He said, Pastor, can I just be honest with you? You don't need to do that. It wasn't sin. It was, it was getting something. He goes, you really, you really don't need that. You don't need that. And I went, and then he, he showed me. He's very successful. He showed me financially. Let me tell you why you don't need that right now. Not, not at this phase of your life. And I thought, that's good wisdom. That's wisdom. But here's the deal. You've got to be willing to be checked and open up to somebody. And I say this to men, because I'm a man, I can say this. And I say this respectfully, all right, to the men. Because women are much more open than men. That's psychologists approve that. They'll tell you that. But men, we just, because we like, I stay in cave. Don't tell anybody anything. As long as I have my clicker. By the way, I got to tell you this. I'm totally off the message. That doesn't matter. But last night, I had a clicker that wouldn't, mute the TV, and I had some guys, I had the youth guys over, youth pastors, and I had the worship, I had Drim, one of our worship, and I said, Drim, because they're technical people, they know how to do things, they wear hats, all kind of cool stuff, I don't know how to fix all that stuff, and I said, Drim, can you help me with this thing, and he showed me how, uh, it wasn't this clicker, it was the other clicker, I remember back when we had one clicker, it controlled the universe, <laughs> so I was so happy I could stay in control and not leave my chair, thank you. I'm going to say this to the men. You need somebody, some friend that you can run by any major purchase. Do you think I need this? 
You think so? What do you think? I'm telling you, listen to me. I'm telling you, it's just somebody to challenge your thoughts. Just, just, do you really need that? Fill in the blank. Do you need that? Or do you need that now? Maybe that's the question. I liked you, Pastor, until that point. Let me give two more. I close. All right, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Pay tithes and give offerings. He's back to the money thing. Got to give to God. It always works it in there. I thought there was a Dave Ramsey. Everybody say pay tithes and give offerings. A tithe, it's in the Bible. The first 10% of our income, boom, belongs to God. What is an offering? Over and above our tithe. This is generosity. This is helping the poor. Generosity. The tithe is going to the place that you're fed spiritually. Oh, question. People have asked me this before. Pastor, why is the tithe, why did God say 10%? Why 10? I don't know. I don't know. Could have said 9, could have said 12. I do remember in the 70s that thing where it used to come on TV. Beep. This is a test. Do y'all remember that? Do you remember when we had 4, 6, 8, 12, and you? All right, do y'all remember that? And that voice, yee, this, they don't do that. The direct TV doesn't have tests. All I can say is this, I don't know why God said give the first 10% of your increase to him. I don't know why. Other than 10 in the Bible is the number of testing. How many plagues did God send to Egypt to test Pharaoh's heart? How many? Come on, y'all got to be better than that. How many? 10. How many commandments are there in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus? How many? How many lepers were healed by Jesus and only one came back? How many? How many disciples did they have? I was testing you. (laughs) See, I almost got you. All I know is this, 10 is the number of testing in the Bible. And when we get paid, it's, by the way, it's not the leftover 10. It's the first, everybody say first 10. The first 10. Look what it says, Malachi 3. I'm almost closing. Bring all the tithes, there's your first 10th, into the place that you're fed spiritually. Matter of fact, I want to say this to you guys. Uh, why don't you step out and become a tither in 2018? By the way, our church is doing great because it's generous people. Lots of generous. So this is not about the church getting more money. It's about you opening the windows of heaven over your life and, and walking in the blessing of God. By the way, we don't teach at Church of the King that blessing is just related to finances. I know some people got a lot of money, but they're wrecked in their soul. They're not blessed. But I do know that the blessing of God includes that. I just want to say, why not? Why not obey God? Number one reason why people don't tithe is because of fear. You need to look at fear in the face, whether it's to step out of your desk and say, you know what, I'm going to obey God, not my fear. I'm going to obey God. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there will be food in my house and try me. Only place in the Bible God invites you to test him right there, right there. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven. An offering is over and above that. There is no way that we can consistently live in the blessing of God without being a generous person long term. Even secular people know that. Even secular people that don't acknowledge God know that you've got to be a giver, that you've got to give out. Look at the foundations, whether it's the Bill Gates Foundation or whether Warren Buffett. These people don't name the name of Christ. I'm not being judgmental. They even know that something happens neurologically in their mind and in their heart and and in their emotions. God has designed us when we give out. That's why Jesus said it's more blessed to what? Give than receive. Something chemically happens in our body. God designed you to be a giver because you're made in the image of God. God so loved the world that he what? Say it. Gave. You are made in the image of God. And when we give, it positions us for increase. Let me give you the last and final thing. 
Live a life of character, integrity, and great exploits. Proverbs 20, verse 7, the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed. How many of y'all want your children blessed? Raise your hand. Let me tell you something. One of the ways to get our children blessed is to live a life of integrity, live a life of character. Now, sometimes it takes a while. My parents were people of character and it took me a while, but I came, there's a blessing attached to that. The last scripture is this, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. People that know their God shall be strong carry out great exploits. Let me tell you the real reason why God wants to bless us. Number one, he loves you. And number two, he wants you positioned for great exploits. Let me tell you one of the greatest feelings in the world. When you're at the grocery store and you're checking out and you know that there's somebody behind you with a child and you know, you know that that's costing them way more than it's costing you to get with you. And you say, you know what? I just, would you mind, I don't mean to embarrass you, but would you, can I just buy that for you? And the next thing you know, they, they're going to say, you don't have to do this. I know that, but I just, I just, I feel like, and then grace, we say, I just feel like God told me to do that. I think it's important to say that. I just, and they, they start welling, welling up with tears. God doesn't bless us just for us. God blesses us to position us for a great exploit to help a person. Can you imagine as that person gets into their car and drives off, how they feel about themselves, how they feel about God. Maybe something happened to them as a kid that thought, I'll never serve God. And now you, because of that great exploit, just unlocked the door where God's spirit can move back in because you demonstrated a great exploit in the name of God. How many of y'all want to be like that? Come on. I, I want to be like that. Let's stand. Can we do that? I'm excited. I am so excited. The next couple of weeks, I believe God's going to help us in this area. I'm going to pray for you. Our altar's open for anybody that needs prayer for anything, and uh, we're here for you as a church. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. I declare your blessing over your people, the favor of God. I thank you, Lord. You're teaching us. You're teaching us what your word says, what it means to build our lives upon the rock. Lord, we build our lives, our financial life. We know things are going to happen, but we're, our house is not going to fall because we're not only hearers, but we're doers of the word of God. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people as they go forth this day in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Can we do that? We love you guys. Have a great weekend. God bless.